All right, we're starting a brand new series. The series is on prayer. And I get it, I get it, I get it. Prayer can just be so obtuse and fuzzy. And I mean, does it work or doesn't it work? And is there certain ways to pray that maybe it makes it more effective? Because apparently I'm not doing it the right way. And I get that sometimes prayer can just kind of seem like a dusty obligation that Christians are supposed to do, but none of us do it enough. And it feels like something that maybe little old ladies are really involved in after they're too old to work at the church, then they become prayers. And And here's the deal. We're just going to spend the next couple weeks talking about prayer. And here's my promise, my promise, my promise. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. I'm not going to twist your arms about prayer. Uh, I actually believe that when you and I kind of unpack this topic together, that suddenly it's going to hit and you're going to go, oh my goodness, you mean I've had that in my arsenal as a Christian? I had the capacity to do that and the opportunity to be involved in that. And I was leaving that on the shelf. And I believe that you and I are going to get so excited about this that you're going to be absolutely motivated to pray. Okay, so I just want us to have that conversation. We're going to do that for the next couple of weeks and just see where that lands for you and I. And I'm absolutely convinced that you're going to decide that prayer is a critical component in your walk with Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm going to do today. I just want to unpack three ideas, three things that you probably never heard about or understood, things that you'll be completely surprised about when it comes to this topic of prayer. Okay, so grab your Bibles. Uh, go with me to Jeremiah. Uh, chapter 33, and we're going to unpack the first surprise, the first thing you probably never knew about prayer. Jeremiah chapter uh, 33. If you're not familiar, the easiest way to get to Jeremiah, if you just open your Bible in the middle uh, and then move toward the right, you're probably going to find this book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33. Okay, so here's surprise number one. Surprise number one is everyone prays. Everyone prays. Even atheists pray. They do. It's just a matter of when they pray. When does an atheist pray? When, when, When they've tried everything themselves, when they've made a series of decisions that have got them into a really, really bad place, when they find themselves... Down in a hole and go, look, there's, I've tried every option. I've tried everything humanly possible. I have no way to get out of the jam that I'm stuck in. And in a moment like that, an atheist will stop and pray and he'll say, okay, if you're there, right now would be a really good time to prove it. Even atheists pray. Here's the problem. Most Christians pray like atheists. Most Christians wait until we've made a series of really bad decisions. Uh, We've tried to navigate life in our own understanding, in our own capacity, and we get ourselves to a place where we're absolutely stuck. And in that moment, then we go, hey, God, remember me. It'd be really, really cool if you would answer a prayer right about now. Here's how this kind of works. We're thinking about buying a house. And I'm just telling you, logically, it just all lines up. Uh, there's, there's a better neighborhood over there. Uh, financially, things are looking pretty good right now. Uh, you contact the realtor and you say, hey, could you find us a floor plan? And they found you the floor plan. And so you sign the papers and the loan goes through and you move into the house. It pushes your payments up and it's, it's a little bit tight, but you move into the house. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? You never did. Pray. 
few weeks later, you're uh, walking into the store and it's there. I mean, it, it's right. It's right there when you first walk in. It it must be God's will. Seventy inch curved screen plasma 3D TV on sale. And, and and you look and you go, oh my goodness! And you think about it for a moment or two and you go, I I, I don't know how I could ever come up with the cash right now. And then the salesperson comes up to you and says, you're in luck. God has provided. We have credit. 29%. And you're thinking to yourself, well, wait, 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 wait. By, based on what I'm saving, that probably makes up for the credit thing there. And so you put it in the car and you take it home. And guess what you never did? Pray. It's coming up to the end of the year and it's vacation time. And you know what happens to vacation days if you don't use them. If you don't use them, you lose them, right? So you got to take vacation. And, and you've been talking about Aruba. And you're thinking, well, hey, I mean, you know, this is the chance and we've got the days and why wouldn't you? And you start trying to add it up. But now that you've bought the house and stretched there and now you've got the payments going on on the TV. And, and so now you're thinking of Ruby going, I, I, man, I, and then it occurs to you, you could get another credit card. And so you apply and sure enough, must be God's will because it came through. And so you go on vacation, you have an amazing time. And now you're back. And then, you ready? The unthinkable happens. The transmission goes out in your car. And now you find yourself in a place where there is absolutely no way out of the ditch you've dug. There, there is no answer. There is, there is no more borrowing. There's no, there's no more interest. to be. It, it's, it's just bad. And so in this moment... You decide to pray. Dear God, dear God, dear God, right now, right now would be a really good time for you to keep one of your promises in Scripture. Remember you said, ask and it shall be given. <laughs> Seek and you shall find. I, I, you, you get that in that moment we're praying like an atheist. We've waited until we've made all of our own decisions. We've waited till we already dug our own ditch. We've waited till we've already gotten ourselves into the moment of problem. And then we decided to pray. Are you surprised that very often God doesn't answer that prayer? Think, think of it this way. You've got a teenager headed off to college. First semester comes up, your teen comes to you and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, it's time to write the check. And so you write the check for their tuition. They go to classes for the first five or six weeks, and then it gets a little hard because they've been staying up late playing video games, and they've been hanging out and partying with their friends. And so now their attendance is not so great, and a few more weeks in, and they go, you know what, I'm so far behind, and I haven't even started the paper, and they drop out. Paid for a whole semester, you don't get anything back. Semester number two comes up. This semester takes all of three weeks before they've gone too many places, stayed up too late, and skipped enough classes, and they drop out the second semester that you paid for. Now semester three comes up. They say, hey, mom, dad, it's time for me to enroll. It's September. Let's, you know, can you write me the check? How many of you are writing the check? I'm not. 
See, I'm just going to tell you that at that moment, my child and I were having a conversation. The conversation goes something like this. Huh. You now have the opportunity to find a job at greasyfryburger.com. Uh, you get to flip burgers and pay back part of the tuition that you have so easily uh, frittered away. And then when you get that bill somewhat handled, you have the privilege of enrolling in junior college. Because here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking what this has exposed is that you actually have lessons in your life that are more important for you to learn than the ones you're not learning in the classroom. So no, I'm not going to bail you out. Are you surprised? That when you and I, ready, live prayerless lives, making all of our own decisions to buy, to do, to consume, to go, to change, and then we get ourselves in a ditch because we have failed to pray, that in that moment we suddenly, like an atheist, reach up out of the ditch and say, God, now rescue me. That our Heavenly Father would say, there's more for you to learn in the ditch than there is if I took you out. And we sit in that moment and go, God, you're so unfaithful. And God, why didn't you come through? And God, how much better, how much better if you and I had actually consulted God before we made the decision, that we actually had prayed about the decision before we did the decision. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to that, that passage in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 33. Because here's what God says about this precise moment. Jeremiah chapter 33, starting in verse 2. Watch this. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. So get the moment. He's saying, look, 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 look. I'm thinking I probably get this a little bit better than you. I probably understand some things that you don't understand, and I probably know some things you don't know because, by the way, I created it all. Verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. You get the image? God's saying, look, look, look. If you would have asked me before you made your eyes... I would have looked ahead. I would have seen things that you could not have possibly seen. I understand the moment in a way that you could not have possibly understood the moment. And I would have directed you if you simply would have asked before you made the decision. How many of you golf? Okay, good. Like three of us. That's good. This is is going to be so powerful for three of us. Okay, three of us are going to go, that was the best sermon ever. Okay, so the rest... All right, so here's the deal. I golf sometimes. I golf once in a while. And if you were to ever go golfing with me by the second hole, you'd go, uh, he clearly golfs once in a while. And uh, so inadvertently, here's what happens when you only golf once in a while. I'll hit a ball errantly. It'll go offline, and then it, it ends up in someone else's fairway. Now, here's the problem with being in someone else's fairway is that it's never easy to get back. Lots of times the fairways are at different heights, and so now you're standing here and there's, there's a hill to get up to where you need to, and you can't see where the pin is at. You have no idea. So here's how you solve that problem. You ask the guy who's still in the cart. You ask the guy who's golfing with you, line me up. And so now he drives the cart and positions it perfectly between the pin and you. So that you know the pin is on that straight line. 
And then he'll turn and he'll say, okay, so here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing you're about 118 yards out because here's the deal. There's no yardage markers in the other fairway for you. Okay. So he'll say, I, I think you're about 118 yards out. And you go, whoa, 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 is there any trouble out there? And they go, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a sand trap on the left. So if you're going to make a mistake, make the mistake right. Okay, so you stay out of trouble. And then you take the swing. You get that that is exactly God's offer to you and me. He says, guys, look, look, look. Before you take the swing, before you decide that decision... Why wouldn't you pray and ask the creator of the universe to line you up on the pin to say, whoa, 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 you know, there's some trouble on the left. Don't, don't head left with this thing. You're about 118 yards out. How differently would our lives turn out if the God of the universe was filling us in ahead of the decision? How, how differently, I mean, you realize we would miss the pit. We would miss the problem. If we were lining up with prayer. And here's the million dollar question. How much time have you and I wasted? How much effort have we given away? How much frustration have we caused in our own lives? Because we waited till we'd messed it up to begin to pray. Because we prayed like atheists. When we had created our own problem. Surprise number two. Surprise number two is simply this. You have never experienced unanswered prayer. You have never experienced an unanswered prayer. And you go, whoa, 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 Lynn. Now I know you're wrong. Because I can tell you time and time and time again in my life when I prayed and I got nothing. I'm just telling you, it was as if the ceiling was made out of brass and my, my prayers were getting about four feet above my head and bouncing back on top of me. And Lynn, I can just tell you, you are dead wrong. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You have never experienced an unanswered prayer. Grab your Bibles again. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. And if you left your Bible open, then Isaiah is going to be a little bit to the left. If you closed your Bible, do the same thing. Go right to the middle. Start working to the right. Uh, you're going to get to this book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65. Verse 24. Isaiah 65 verse 24. Here's what it says. This is God talking about prayer. Before they call. I will answer. You get what God said? It says, before you even started your prayer, I already knew what your prayer was, and I was already working on the answer for it. Before you even prayed. While they are still speaking, I will hear. You go, wait, 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 wait. How does that work? Because I'm just going to tell you, Lynn, I, I've prayed over and over and over again, and I'm just telling you, it, it just felt like there was no answer. Here's, here's why this gets confusing. It's because there's more than one possible answer. You get that sometimes God's answer is a green light. That God says, oh yeah, absolutely, let's do that. You know, you were praying, hey God, Lamborghini, eight-speed, come on. And it showed up. I mean, it was wonderful. And you're, woo, God is real. 
Because it ended amazing. God is so real when he does what you want. I mean, man, God, you are so good. And sometimes, and guys, let's just be honest, isn't it true that most of the time, we really believe that God ought to answer prayer the way we asked it. And so when God gives green lights, we're like, hey, prayer works. You get that sometimes. Sometimes God gives a yellow light. That God's answer is, we're going that way. No, 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 no. We're going to get there, just not right now. See, you're thinking straight line, I'm taking us a different direction. You're thinking this moment, I'm thinking after a bit. It's the young lady who prays and says, God, give me a man now. And God goes, no, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Not right now. See, here's what you don't understand. Uh, the guy that I'm going to bring you, he's not cooked yet. He, he needs some work. And if I brought him to you right now, I mean, you, you wouldn't even want him. He's a mess. But I'm, six months from now, I, I, he's going to be really cleaned up. And you know, here's, here's the problem. All too often when God gives us the yellow light, when God says, hey, not right now, you and I push past the yellow light. Say, we, we do what we do on the street. We push the accelerator. I'm going to make the light. And we just go. When God was actually saying, no, 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 not right now. And so she goes and finds a guy to date. She finds Mr. Right Now. And when the guy God had for her walks in the room, she's already taken. See, this, this, is, this is that moment that you look at God and you go, God, 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 give us that new house. Let us move. I'm telling you, the school year is coming up in two months. It's got to, we got to close right now. And God says, no, 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 no. Not right now. Because, because, ready? Because something's going to happen in your son's school this year. That he needs to be there. He, he's going to learn a life lesson in the class he's in right now that he wouldn't learn in the new district. And the best thing for him is not right now. We're going to get there. It's just next year. And if you and I are not careful, we blow through not right now. I'm pretty sure there was a moment in my life where I just blew right past. God's not right now. Lisa and I were uh, living uh, in a little tiny house at 48th Street in Southern. I'd, I'd gotten hired on at a church as our youth pastor, and for the first time our finances were kind of nosing up, and there was a little bit of margin in there. And so Lisa and I got to thinking, man, we, we could move out of this little house that we're in and actually get into something pretty decent. So let me just tell you about this little house. It was 900 square feet. Uh, it had the washing machine was in the kitchen. Uh, the dryer for this house was actually outside in a little four foot by eight foot shed that the previous owner had taken Romex wire to wire the electricity in so there could be a dryer for the house. 
It was like living in a, a studio apartment, just standalone. I mean, it was just a tight. And we spent the first couple of days after we moved in wiping blood off the walls. Because the previous inhabitants of the house had been intravenous drug users. And when they pulled the needle out, it would squirt on the walls. And we just thought, man, God, this is it. This is our moment. We actually have a little bit of margin in our lives. We're going to get a new house. And so we got to the realtor. We went out house shopping. And sure enough, she found us this amazing house in Ahwatukee, $67,000. And we went, man, God, you are so good. We applied. We put in for the loan. We got turned down. I was, God, are you kidding me? I prayed for this house. I told you exactly what to do. <laughs> so I waited a couple of days and guess what I did? I loaded Lisa up in our 1972 mustard color Datsun pickup which is now Nissan, drove to the Earnhardt dealership. And I brought, I bought us a brand new Bronco 2. Any of you remember Bronco 2s? Oh, those were amazingly good cars. They'd last you all of about 19 months. They were good cars, good cars. So I buy this, but I didn't just buy an ordinary Bronco 2. I bought the Eddie Bauer edition. And I drove out of Earnhardt and I said, take that God, see who can't get approved for a loan. And if you took what we were paying for that car, added it to what we were paying on our house, it was way more than the Abatuki house. <laughs> Three weeks later, Lisa walks into the front room and says, I have an announcement. I'm pregnant. Is there any chance that God in his loving wisdom did not allow a young couple to buy a house in Awatuki that would have leveraged us right up to the very edge of our means because he knew that my wife was already pregnant. And in his absolute love and grace for us, he had said to us, not right now. Because if I did this, if we gave, you realize it would take the best moment of your life and make it one of the hardest moments of your life. You want to take the story further? 18 months later, I actually wasn't working at that church anymore. I got a church in California. I had to try to sell my house in Arizona during a recession. I barely squeaked out of that house that I had equity in. Can you imagine how bad it would have been and how upside down I would have been if I'd have been in an 18-month Awatuki house? See, sometimes, sometimes God is saying, hey, not right now. We're going to get there. I mean, I'm, this is we're going to do it. It's just not right now. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes God gives the red light. Sometimes God just says, no. No. And guys, 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 you understand no is an answer. It's an answer. See, we get all frustrated. We go, God, I told you exactly what to do and you aren't doing it. And we think God didn't answer the prayer. But guys, guys, no is an answer. 
How many parents in here say, you know what? I say no to my kids sometimes just because I can. Just to be mean. Dude, you are so cool. You're, you're, like, you're like the best parent in here, man. Good for you. Man, I wish I could be as cruel. I mean, as cool as you. I mean, that's just so good, man. Now, you know, you realize most of us didn't raise our hands. Why? Because isn't the reality as a mother, as a father, that, that we don't say no's just because we can't. We don't say no's to be cruel. That, that, that those moments of no come from a place that says, I'm trying to get the best for my kid. It's why we, we say, hey, look, 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 you're not going to hang out with that group of kids. You're not going to do it. No. And our kids go, oh, you're so stupid, and I'm going to be a social reject. Come on, mom, and dad. And you go, no. I've got enough wisdom. I've got enough force. I've got enough life experience to look ahead and see where that group is going. And I don't want you going there with them. So my answer, as much as you're frustrated with me, and as much as right now you don't think I'm a very good parent, my answer is no. And isn't it possible that in the moments God has said no to us, he actually had the very best for us in mind? And no is an answer. Do you know it's possible to pray your way out of no? It's possible. It's possible for you to pray and say, God, oh, please, 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 please. Please, with sprinkles on it. Please, with fairy dust. Please, 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 please. It's possible. It's possible to pray your way out of a no. I'm just not sure you want to. Let let me see if I can explain. There's the perfect will of God. In other words, there's the thing that God says, hey, if you'll listen to me, if you'll pay attention to when I nudge you, there's this... There's this plan I've got for your life, and this plan is remarkable. I mean, the plan is amazing, and it's the perfect will of God for you. And you follow that, and your life turns out just awesome. But you realize there's also what we call the permissive will of God. In other words, it's the place where God goes, well, that's that's not really what I wanted for you. It's not what I planned for you, but I mean, I... I I guess, I guess if you're going to keep asking, if you're going to keep insisting, if you're going to keep, okay, I'm just telling you, you marry that guy, it turns out different. You take that job, I'm just telling you, it's not what you think. And so on either side of the perfect will of God, there's the permissive. So you guys are all the permissive will of God right here. You guys are all permissive will of God. It's that, it's that place where God says, all right, I'll let you. It's, it's off of what I had planned, but okay, I'll let you. And you realize on the other side, the outside of the permissive will of God is what we call the sovereign will of God, which is that moment God says, no, 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 I don't care how much you plead. I don't care how much you control. I don't care how hard you try. I will not let you do that. It's the sovereign will of God. You will not go there because I'm God and you're not. Here's the easiest way to maybe think about it. Think about like a bowling alley. The gutters, the gutters are the sovereign will of God. You roll a ball way offline, it hits the gutter, and the gutter says, that's enough. You're not going any further out of line. Sovereign will of God. 
But you realize that as you roll the ball down the lane, you can be off. You, you may not be rolling that ball right in the strike zone. Permissive will of God. And when you do that, you only knock over a couple of pins. I, I don't think you and I want the permissive will of God. I think I got the permissive will of God once. I had a friend who was dying. And man, I prayed. I prayed. I kept, I kept telling God, God, this guy's lived such an amazing life. He's not old enough to die yet. And I'm just wondering what sort of a legacy he could have if you gave him another 20 years. God, please, 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 don't let him die. Don't let him die. Don't let him die. And he kept dying. His entire family began to pray for him. And they were saying, God, please, 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 don't let him die. Please rescue him. And he kept dying. And we begged. We begged God. We said, God, please. And the doctors came in. And they said, look, hey, we've, uh, we've got this treatment. Um, there's really not any real reason why it ought to work, but we're thinking he's dying anyway, so why not just take a shot? And we said, we'll do it, do the treatment. The next day, he was sitting up in bed. And we all said, oh, God answered prayer. A couple of years later, He did something so dark, so wrong, wrong enough that even our culture, even our society said it was criminal and threw him in jail. And I watched his wife live with the shame. Here this guy who'd been such an amazing Christian man, had lived his life so well, to, did something that, he, that was so dark that you could never say his name out loud and that not be the first thing you remembered about him. I watched his children live in the shame of that decision. And I asked myself, did I pray myself out of the perfect will of God? Is there a chance that God in his grace was getting ready to take that man home before he did that? So that his reputation and his heritage would have been that of a great Christian father and a godly man. And that God in his love was actually trying to spare us what he was going to do next. And in grace was taking him home early. And I determined that day I would never pray that way again. That from that day forward I would pray like Jesus prayed. And I would say, God would you please heal him? But... I want your will to be done, not my will. So if you know something, yeah. If you know something I don't know, if you've got a better plan than the one I'm asking for, I choose the better plan. Isn't that exactly how Jesus prayed? Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that what he prayed in the garden when he said, God, I'd really like to not go to the cross, but nevertheless, your will be done? You've never had an unanswered prayer. You've just had some answers you didn't like. And so my question to you today is, are you willing to live with the answers to your prayers? 
Third surprise. Grab your Bibles. James chapter 5. And you can get there really, really quick by going to the back of your Bible. Start going to the left. You're going to find this book of James. If you get to the book of Hebrews, that is not a home fermentation plan. Think about it. You'll get that later. You'll get it later. James chapter 5. Starting in verse 16. This is surprise number 3. Here's what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then watch this next. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let me read that again. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and really, really effective. And so here's what God's saying. Look, look, if you can come to God in prayer with clean hands, if you can come before God and say, God, look, 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 I've obeyed you in everything. I'm not holding any secret sin in my life. I'm living for you in every part of my life. If you can come to God with clean hands, when you pray, it is super, super powerful. God is super inclined to say, hey, well, yeah, absolutely. You've been doing what I've asked. I'm more than happy to do what you ask. There's power in being able to come to God with clean hands. Let me see if this helps. My son, my son got married about two years ago to this amazing Christian girl by the name of Amy. We, we couldn't have been more thrilled. And uh, so about six months ago, he calls me up on the phone. He says, Dad, I'd like to come over and talk to you about the finances, my finances. And I hung up the phone. I turned to Lisa and I said, that's a surprise. He's never done that before. So sure enough, Josh comes over to the house. He unrolls all of his income and his expenses and where all the money's going. And I take a look at it and I go, Josh, you're actually doing a good job. I mean, you know, your car payment's probably a little higher than I would have suggested. But other than that, I mean, dude, you're doing a great job with your finances. Then the other part of the conversation, he says, Dad, I've got this idea. See, Amy and I are trying to save up for a down payment on a house. And we were thinking that if we moved in with you, we could pay you a lot less than we're paying in rent right now. We could pay off a whole bunch of bills. We could save for a down payment way, way, way quicker. What do you think? And I said, Josh, you know what? I I actually think that's a halfway decent plan. So I'll tell you what, don't, don't pay us anything. Just take, take every bit of it, pay off bills, save for a down payment. Let's just do that, okay? Let's get you guys going. And I just want to tell you, they have been remarkable at this. I mean, they have, they have paid off bills like fiends. And they have been saving money, saving money, saving money. Save. It has been so cool to watch them do this. The other day, uh, Josh came walking into the living room where I am kind of kind of sheepishly. He says, Dad, I've been thinking, I've got got this idea. I said, well, Josh, what are you thinking? He says, I was thinking we could go in halves on an Xbox One. (laughs) I could buy half, you could buy half. We could like, you know, share it. We'd put it in my room, (laughs) but you could come anytime you wanted. I, I, I know what happened. 
He went to Amy. He was saying, hey, my friends are all playing Xbox. What do you think? And Amy probably said something like, hey, we, you know, we're trying to pay our bills. We're trying to save. We can't afford something like that. We might be able to afford half of something like that. We can't afford all that. And then Josh hatched a plan. Hey, Dad. Anybody want to guess my answer? I said, absolutely, son. It's an Xbox One. Xbox One. No, I said, guys, I, I said, yeah. You know why I said yes? Because he'd been so amazing saving his money. He'd been so remarkable paying off his bills. Are you kidding me? That I can't reward that. I said, sure, son. And you get that's exactly what Scripture is saying. That when you and I have the opportunity to come to God and say, God, I've been living for you. I've been serving you. I've been doing what you asked me. If you and I can come with clean hands, then we got a Heavenly Father that goes, I think Xbox One works. I, I think we can do that. If you've been following, I can give you the desires of your heart, right? It's powerful, it's powerful, it's powerful when you and I can go to our Heavenly Father with clean hands. So here's the sum. If you're living your life wanting what you want whenever you want it, you're going to struggle with prayer. Let me, let me say that again. If you are living your life wanting what you want whenever you want it, then prayer is going to be really frustrating for you. But if you're living your life hoping for something amazing, then prayer is your best friend. Prayer is an absolute necessity. Because there's a God who before you make the decision offers to look over the top of the hill and say, no, 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 I can see exactly where this goes. Let me help you. Let me tell you what you don't know before you decide. There's a heavenly father who's absolutely willing to answer our prayers always with our best in mind. And even the yellow lights, even the red lights are about blessing us. There's a God who says, if you'll live for me, and I'm, I'm willing to buy Xboxes for you. Why would you not pray? How could you afford not to pray? Let's pray. Dear Assembly Father, we just come before you. And God, we're so sorry because we've, we've lived so much of our lives as the children of God, but behaving more like atheists. We've, we've waited till we were in trouble. We waited till we had put ourselves in a ditch by our own doing and then we prayed. Then we prayed. We've gotten frustrated with you and shaken our fists when your answer wasn't the one we wanted. When you said, I need you to wait a little while or no, we're not going there. And we come to you with dirty hands and ask for your blessing. And God, we're just... We're figuring this out. It's, 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 
changing us right now. And God, would you teach us? Teach us to pray. And this we pray in Jesus' name.